We're talking about MotoGP, MotoGP Fantasy, motorcycles, and just the general love of riding. This is Real to Wheel. What is up, Dakota? Ooh, it has been a week, dude. It has been a week. <laughs> you and me both, man. Yeah. Like it's uh it's it's never just one thing, is it? No. It's like a mountain of things. It's like a Luke Combs song. When it rains, it pours. <laughs> yes. Do we have to pay rights on that just for saying that? I don't know. If we do, you have to pay it because you said it. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Combs, please don't sue us. We don't no, have please don't. We don't have any money. <laughs> All right, so we have a lot to talk about because there was a Mizano test, there was a Mizano race, there was a Mizano sprint. There was Mizano rumors. Yes, yeah, so there we're going to talk Mizano about drama. We are going to talk about all of those things, but first, we've got to talk about Morton's BMW in Fredericksburg, Virginia. They are awesome. It is a BMW dealership right here in the heart of Fredericksburg, so if you are in the area here, you have to go and check it out. It's a great Great motorcycle dealership. They have tons of stuff. They have stuff that isn't BMW as well on their used uh, section, and it's usually pretty packed full of stuff. They're great to work with. The thing about going to Morton's, especially if you buy a motorcycle from there or really anything, you become part of the Morton's family, which is awesome, and you get to know everybody really well, and you can trust them. They're honest, and they care about you as the consumer, not just what you give them from your wallet. So, their service department is top-notch, incredible. Uh, they do all of the work on my bike. I know they do all the works on your dad's bike if he's not doing it himself as well. Well, you don't have a BMW, so. You're right. I, I'm i not there yet. If this podcast does really well, I will be joining the Morton's family. <laughs> I was going to say, if you had one, you would let them do all your work. 100%. Because they're awesome. So they have been super gracious, and they are sponsoring our Fantasy League this year, which means that the winner of our league is going to get a $50 gift card to Morton's BMW, which can get you a whole lot of stuff. So that's a really big deal, and it's an awesome opportunity to win some free gear or you know, like we've said before, a very small down payment on a motorcycle. Hey, a little bit. It's more than nothing. It's more than nothing. <laughs> so, big shout out to Morton's BMW. Let's get into the Mizano post-race show. Gosh. Mizano mayhem. Yeah, we've used mayhem a lot, Ty. We should probably think of a different There's been a word. lot of mayhem. That's true. There, I mean, it's it's been it's been a dramatic, dramatic two years. It has. I mean, Mizano's always... It seems like the last several years specifically, it's been a really strange, there's a lot of strange things that happen around there, but it's also because it lands in a time in the season where a lot of silly season stuff is happening, so you can kind of expect all that. Yeah, you see people start doing well that weren't necessarily doing well before, and then you start seeing people who have been doing well, and they just got canned, and they're like, I don't care anymore. Yeah, yep. So Zarko. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. Let's talk about the sprint results. So the Saturday sprint, first place went to Jorge Martin. Called it. I was going to say, you got that one right. Well done, Ty. I said second place. I was close. I was close. Second place is first place loser. <laughs> You're not wrong, Mr. 51st place on fantasy. <laughs> hey, it's better than being second. That's all I can say. Is it though? Is it really? I, I'm not. I'm not the first place loser. No, you're the fifty first. <laughs> 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 All right. So second place goes to Marco Bedzecki. Third place is Pecco Bagnai. Oh which gosh, you just cannot get rid of this guy. I just, I, I just don't. Okay, I said that, but I think I need to rewind, take a couple steps back, and be like, holy cow. Pecco did really well for someone who got run over. It's astonishing. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. Fourth place, though, Danny Pedrosa. Guys, I had him on my team, and he didn't crash. That's true. You know why that happened? Because I put him on my team first. Oh, that's, there you <laughs> go. I am ticked, though. Why? Because they didn't raise his value. That's because he's not going to ride again. It doesn't matter. I put him on my on my team, one, because I knew he was going to do good. But two, I was fully anticipating capitalizing on the fact that his value would increase because he got nearly a podium twice. Honestly, I think I he would have gotten a podium, but he literally came out afterwards and said, 
I did not feel comfortable passing. I'm still rusty in that department. I was fully anticipating that he was going to be worth like $2.1 million after this weekend, and I was going to cash in on that. I mean, he... And they didn't change his value at all. Very disappointed. Very disappointed. It's still crazy to me that a guy who has been retired now for a few years just comes back on a MotoGP and embarrasses, like... Yes. But, I mean... It was awesome. Yeah, it was so cool. So fifth place, the KTM counterpart, Brad Bender. Sixth place, Maverick Vinales. I mm, definitely wanted him to do better. Seventh place, Luca Marini. Eighth place, Aleish Espargaro. Ninth place, Alex Marquez. And tenth place, Mark, Mark Marquez. Mark, Mark. <laughs> I haven't been able to do that in a while, honestly, yeah. anyway. So I called Maverick Vinales to win this sprint, and honestly... After practice two, I kind of was thinking he would do it. I mean, he was looking pretty comfortable. He broke a lap, rec- the the high, fastest lap record, which Jorge then later absolutely beat into the ground, ran it over, peed on it, and then, <laughs> you know, walked away. I mean, it was the most astonishing thing I've ever seen on a motorcycle track. That was not the analogy that I expected. Okay, so here's the thing. He beat that lap record, which then Bedzecki beat by just like, what, like a hundredth of a second or something. And then Jorge comes in and beats it by like six-tenths of a second. It wasn't even close. <laughs> like, no one expected. They were they're watching him, and he's doing all these sectors, and he's doing really great. And everybody's like, oh, he's going to... He's going to do it. And then he does it by six tenths of a second. I don't know what that dude put. I don't know if he stole the new crazy biofuel from Repsol and put it in his bike that day. It was crazy what he did. Beans. All of them. All of them. He opened up a can of. What? what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, He did very well. Yes, he did. That was weird, Ty. <laughs> Should not do that again. Um, so I called Maverick to win. He did not win. He was in sixth place. I said Jorge would get second. He got first place. I said Alation third. He got eighth place. Uh, but I did say Bender in fourth, which he got fifth. You know, so I was close on that. And then Bedzeki, I said, would get fifth, and he got second. So I did not do well on the sprint. I got Jorge. And nothing else. That's still more than you got. Yeah, but my guys were closer than yours. That's fair. <laughs> I, took, I took a gamble with Jack Miller and Johan Zarco. Yeah, you rolled the dice there. I rolled the dice. I didn't get it. Um, Zarco's definitely not really pushing that hard since he uh, oh, no. got canned. So that's understandable. Jack Miller, um, I think he just, he just, he had a hard time keeping up this week. Um, he had a, a bad weekend. But let's, let's so let's talk about this race real quick or sprint rather, sorry. Jorge and Pecco had a normal like ridiculously fast awesome starts. But, you know, KTM has had great starts all season as well and Danny Pedrosa was like a rocket ship. I mean, he was right there. Yeah, oh yeah. I it, feel I honestly think if he could if he was comfortable passing Pecco, I think he would have been right up there. Danny Pedrosa blew my mind. I mean, legitimately, I, I said this on our, you know, last minute fantasy advice on Instagram, which if you don't follow us on Instagram, you should at, uh, at wheel to wheel podcast. And you should check that out. So, cause on Fridays after free practice two or practice two, I always jump on there, give some last minute fantasy advice based on the performance at the track that day. So I actually mentioned that Danny Pedrosa just looked really good and that he, as a 37-year-old test rider, was making other people look foolish. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just crazy. I literally was wondering, like, why aren't you actually racing still? He doesn't want to. Why? I I don't know. He could win. Well, I think (laughs) with the thing with uh, Danny Pedrosa is when you look at his career, he is always, like, that is the performance that he's always done. I don't know that he's really ever shied away from that. Um, and I think when you look at it that way, he has actually been what Zarco is now before Zarco. Except Danny Pedrosa won races. Well, he's won championships, right? No. Really? That's the one thing. Of like He's like the last one of those riders 
that my, you know, my dad would call aliens where they're just so far better than everybody else in the paddock. And of those aliens, Casey Stoner, Valentina Rossi, Mark Marquez, um, of that group, maybe Nikki Hayden, although I don't think Nikki Hayden was ever as good as them, Jorge Lorenzo, they all have championships. Except for Danny Pedrosa. He was always short. And the year that Mark Marquez started. So he's like, dovey. (laughs) Well, Mark Marquez and him didn't really like each other when Mark Marquez came in. But you also have to remember, Mark Marquez was this cocky little kid. And we've talked about this before. Valentino Rossi, I think, took like 11 races to win his first championship. Or not his first championship, his first race. Mark Marquez won his first race his second time in the premier class of MotoGP, which hadn't been done before. And when he was originally new to the sport, he was actually, um, you know, just following Danny around. He was supposed to just tail him and yeah, he wasn't supposed to be better. And then he (laughs) won the championship. And I think someone like Danny Bedrosa, I think you know, it's got to be frustrating to win, win, like to you know take how Zarco feels a little bit further, and to always be close to that and then just to never quite get it. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. He could also just be 37 and ready to... Yeah, I mean, he's a great test rider, obviously. I mean, KTM, look how good they are. Yeah. I mean, that has to be attributed to him as a test rider to a lot of degree, right? It has to be. So, ultimately, Danny Pedrosa just looked great. It was super exciting to be able to root for him all weekend. Uh, But, again, I was really upset about uh, them not changing his value. But... Like we said, Jack had a bad start on the other KTM. He just didn't start well. He had a bad sprint. He had a bad weekend. Uh, But Brad, again, also had a weirdly bad start, which I don't understand. Like, he didn't launch off the line like he typically does. But ultimately, he kicked some tail to get back up to a top-five finish. And that double pass that he pulled on Luca and Aleish, oh, oh, that was uh, threading the needle if I've ever seen it. I mean... There was a, a, a hole about half the size of his KTM that he somehow fit his KTM through. <laughs> uh, and he didn't hit anybody or anything. I mean, he was riding crazy. Now, right after that, he was tr- still riding a little crazy, and he did collide with Maverick Vinales, which was purely Brad Bender's fault. And I thought that they were potentially going to give him a little bit of a, a penalty for that or something, but they didn't. They just let him go. I mean, I think they're they're. I uh, did think it it shook Maverick a little bit because oh, yeah. he faded a little bit after that. Yeah, well, I think the the ruling that they have on MotoGP incidents are about as consistent as my grades were in college. I mean, it's just all over the place. You got an A one day, and then you have a uh, track violation the next. You know, you just you never know what you're gonna get. Ah, <laughs> uh, tie in college. <laughs> All right, so uh, Jorge and Bedzeki, though, in this this sprint were on a completely different planet, and they just set themselves apart very, very early, and then ultimately Jorge could just not be stopped. There was no chance that he was going to get beat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then let's talk about Pecco, though. So he and Bedzeki, you know, they do th- every – the podium gets interviewed, right? He and Bedzeki did their interviews, and they both were stoned out of their mind. Okay? So I know I know why Pecco did so well this weekend. Because he's used to driving under the influence. <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. No, but he, no, he legitimately, per- though. He may have a near-perfect record on the track this week, <laughs> unlike his driving record. Um, uh, also, yeah, I mean, that, that's a fantastic. I've You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, no, so here's the thing, though. They both were, he was clearly in immense pain. But the announcers kept saying, like, he's got. they got all the painkillers and stuff. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, how are they riding motorcycles at 200 miles an hour on painkillers? That just astonishes me. So it comes down to Pecco, he did great. He fit fantastic. And I don't understand it. We're going to talk a little bit more about it in uh, for the main race. Um, but I just wanted to point out that he and Bedzeki both looked absolutely toasted 
at the end of the race, both physically and mentally. Like talking to the people, Pecco was really, really slow in what he says, and he's usually not. <laughs> and the same with Bedzeki. So yeah, if if Bedzeki was a potato before, he was really, really a potato at this. And then he kissed the camera, or was that the main race? That might have been the main race. Mayors. He kissed the camera, and then Jorge was just like, just did a blow with a kiss. He's like, I'm not getting near that camera now. <laughs> so let's move on to the main race. Here is your top 10. First place, Jorge Martin. Perfect weekend. Woo! Called that one for the main race. I sh- I don't, that's the one regret I have from this weekend. Cause, so I couldn't probably have scored as much as you this weekend. Specifically just for the reason that I didn't have as much money and I had Honda as my team. Yeah, that's your big problem. But I also didn't boost. <sighs> okay. I boosted. I used my last boost. And I told Haley, I was like, I think I should boost Jorge. And she was like, I'm boosting Maverick. And so I was like, yeah, I really want Maverick to do well. And I and at the time, I, I thought like he could... He could literally, I even said in the last minute fantasy advice that if you have a boost, it wouldn't be a bad idea if you used it on Maverick, which it wasn't, which is what I did. So I still got a lot of points, but I really wanted to boost Jorge and I could have gotten so many more points. So I was a little frustrated. However, I still had a great weekend in fantasy, moved up in the, in the rankings, but Jorge Martinez, your winner, second place, Marco Bedzecki, third place, Peko Bagnai. So we have the exact same podium. Actually, we have the exact same top four uh, because fourth place, Danny Pedrosa. Fifth place, Maverick Vinales. So he did get better, uh, and he gets more points in the re- in the main race. So it worked out okay. Like I said, I got pretty good points for him, but I could have gotten a whole lot more if I had boosted Jorge. Um, sixth place, though, we had Miguel Oliveira. Seventh place, Mark Marquez. That was awesome. Seventh place mark 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 and he was given that thing everything it had he was 22 seconds ahead of the closest honda by the way (laughs) 22 seconds not tenths seconds yeah that is crazy eighth place raul fernandez what you know, I was actually I was a little <laughs> bit frustrated about that because I've had him on my team for the last two. Same races. with Haley; she took him off her team, and then, and then he did well. This is your fault, Ty. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can't I can't escape it. Uh, uh, so ninth place, Luca Marini, which I thought he was going to do better. This is recorded on Tuesday. I'm going to name this this one teasing. It's Ty Wednesday. Tuesday. It's Wednesday. Oh my gosh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it's okay, Ty. It comes out on Thursday though, so. Uh, 10th place, Joanne Zarco. So my top three, I said Jorge would win. I said Alation second, and I said Maverick in third. So I, it wasn't, those weren't terrible picks. Obviously I was right with, uh, Jorge, Alash. I don't know what happened to Alation in this one. And then Maverick was in fifth, so not terrible. But then I said Bender and Pecco in fit fourth and fifth, which whatever. My fourth and fifths are never good. So then you got nothing right in this one. You're right. So you said first place, Aleish. Aleish. Second place, Oliveira. Which, again, I thought was a good sneaky pick. And he did okay. He got sixth place. So, And then you said Alex Marquez for third, which was he even in the top ten? Uh, he was not. Bro. Struggle bus. Did he crash? I can't remember. I can't remember. I don't think he crashed. Um. But because you got someone like Raul Fernandez, Mark Marquez, Oliveira, and Danny Pedrosa in the top ten, it threw what we have seen as the top ten pretty consistently completely off. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, where did, what is Raul doing? I I don't know. Point. I don't. He's just they're not going to get rid of him. Which I wish that. Okay. Okay. Here's the thing. I wish that Fabio was on the Aprilia so bad. Because you know that he would be a championship contender on that bike. Gosh. It's everything that he's good at. That's why Maverick is good on the that bike. That would be such a confusing grid. If you had Mark Marquez on a Grassini or a Pramic, and you had Fabio on an Aprilia, and Pecco on a Ducati, oh. and and Jorge on a Ducati, that would be the most the just dream. ridiculous. I mean, Mar- uh, Marco Bezzecchi on a Ducati. That would be so exciting. I mean... 
the top five guys, it would start to look more like it did in 2017 when you had five guys that were duking it out every week, yeah. and the rest of the paddock was just kind of tough noogies. But you had five guys that were duking it out. Yes. So, the dream. But another great start in this from Jorge, uh, you know, he, Bedzeki, and Pecco kind of stuck together for a lot longer in this race, but eventually Jorge kind of just, I think he won by like 1.6 seconds or something like that. So he did get some space. And here's what I don't understand about Pecco. He messed up a lot in this race, like a lot. He over, he like went really wide on turns like several times. He had several big twitches. I don't understand how he recovers so fast because other riders, when they go really wide like that or they have a real big twitch coming out of a turn, they get passed and, and they lose like half a second or something like that. Peko doesn't lose any time. He can take a long lap penalty and it not affect him, I feel like, at this point. It's nuts. I don't I don't get it. So that brings me to wonder, like, obviously Peko is really good. He's a very good defensive rider, as we've seen. It's really hard to pass Peko Bagnai. Part of that is because of the amount of aerodynamics on that bike creates this, like, horrible pocket of dirty air. So it's hard to pass a Ducati, period. It's also hard to pass a Ducati when your front wheel's on fire. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's just hard to pass a Ducati... But Pecco has shown that he's a very good defensive rider and, and all of that. But I just don't understand. This, the Ducati as a bike must be so good in that he can completely botch a turn and not really lose any time. I don't understand that. Do you understand that? Do you have some magical insight that I'm missing? I don't, I don't because I wish I could say it was the Ducati, but I mean... Right now, we don't really have a great example of what another factory Ducati that can really be compared. I know, and that's Nea really Bastianini annoying. Is just, you know, I, he's riding like a sack of potatoes. I mean, that's we say that a lot, but I mean that's the only way I can describe how he's riding. What's arguably the best bike in the paddock. I mean, you put anybody else in the bike on that bike, and they're going to be doing better than Anaya. Yeah, I mean, look at you could put Takanakagami on that bike. And I mean, I would argue that he would do better than Anaya Bastianini is right now. Jorge Martin is on up-to-date equipment, so is Zarco. It is still different, though. That's what people need to understand, is just because a satellite team has up-to-date equipment does not mean that they have the same thing. They, the, they have a 2023 bike. They do not have... They don't have the same people working on that motorcycle. And they do not have the factory giving them little extra parts throughout the season. They're still going to favor and give the factory team better and more stuff. And better support. That's true. And they have better R&D than what they would have at Perry Mac with the satellite team. Which is why it's so much harder for a satellite team to win. You know what I mean? Uh, but I don't I don't know. I just, I just found that very interesting. That was something that I was looking at and I just don't understand. I would like to understand more. But I just don't. I was just watching it and I'm like, there's no way. This dude's like broken. And you could tell how how much pain he was in to watch him. They literally had to pick him up and take him off the bike in Park Ferme. He oh, couldn't yeah. get off himself. He was in so much pain. Yeah, I mean, oh, I almost said a joke that I shouldn't say. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was just ridiculous that he he was in that much pain, but he could recover the way he recovered. That's why I'm like, there must be something just amazing about this bike because I just have a hard time believing that Pecco's that good. You know what I mean? Well, I think it's hard to believe. I don't Pe think he's bad. I don't want anybody to think that I think that Pecco's a bad rider because that's obviously ridiculous to think. Well, I think I'm agreeing with you. I just think part of the reason why maybe it's so hard for us is because if you look at his performance historically, he hasn't always been. I mean, you have people like Fabio, who has not always been on a great bike, but has been like leading in a championship. You know? Yeah. Who, tremendously making huge strides and if you look at Pecco's rise it is equivalent with Ducati's yeah that's true which makes me wonder if you put Pecco on a different bike ain't gonna happen he's well, not gonna be as good as he is I will say people said the same thing about Mark Marquez I mean they thought that he only did well on a good bike but the thing that I always like to remind people the Honda's is always been bad 
Well, n- no, it hasn't always been bad. I think it actually they were like leading the championship. They were a ca- equivalent to Ducati years ago. What I mean is, no one else really could ride it. As you know what I mean. I think that was true a couple years after Mark Marquez had joined Honda. But sure. I think if you go That's back fair. to when him and Danny Pedrosa were originally teammates, his first year mm-hmm. Ducati was or Honda was doing really really well it wasn't until a couple years into mark marquez's career in the premier class when you had cal crutchlow saying good you know, guy Love old cal. well they, they asked uh cal you know you know what the honda needed to go faster and he essentially just said mark marquez was the only guy that could make that bike fast and ever i think everybody kind of you know disregarded it and then you lost danny pedrosa and you had a bunch of other people trying it jorge lorenzo tried the honda well, I think that you're seeing that play out right now. Mark Marquez was 22 seconds faster than the closest Honda. That's pretty bad. Juan Mir crashed again. <laughs> like, I mean, and the fastest next to the the next one was Stefan Brattle on their newest bike, their newest iteration, the first round of what they're hoping to bring next year is what Stefan Brattle was riding on the track, and Mark was still 22 seconds ahead of him. That's true. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll, have, to get, <laughs> we'll have to talk about Mahonda more. But, yeah. So, um, Brad Bender in this race, he messed up early uh, with, like, 19 laps to go, and it caused a really bad finish for him. I thought he crashed out of the race, but then I saw him back in the race. I don't know. He just had a, a weird thing that happened. Jack Miller had a really rough crash. Uh, which made me want to ask the question, is Jack Miller in trouble with KTM? He has not responded well to people asking him that question. Well, here's the thing. It has to be asked at this point because Augusto Fernandez has been very consistent, very good. He's not great, but he's good for a rookie, right? Which means that he has growth potential. Brad Bender, been awesome, right? He's been awesome this year. They just extended his contract a couple more years. Like He's great. And then you have uh, Pole, who has not done well, but he broke himself, right? And then you got Jack Miller, who started out good, but has just tanked since the summer break. He just finished a race doing well. Since the summer break, he has just completely fallen apart. He can't hold his tires. like he, He fades so significantly. He's crashing now. And now they're wondering, well, we have promised people motorcycles that we don't have for next year pedro costa needs a ride do we relegate someone to being but but the thing is is like if that doesn't fully make sense to me but i understand why that would motivate them or jack miller and that would put him on a hot seat but if they were going to relegate somebody to test rider it's got to be pole right yeah but i think I don't know that's hard because it'd be taking a gamble. If you get Paulo Acosta and he's fast and you replace Jack Miller and he's in a factory seat and he's actually in a top 10, yeah, I but think technically Gus Gus is a factory. <laughs> Nobody believes that. <laughs> um yeah, it's it's hard because I Jack Miller if he's if he's not performing and they make him a test rider the thing that he is good at, that I think he has proven to be good at, is I don't think he's championship material right now. But who is... Who's, but Paulo who Acosta is might... Pedro. Pedro, sorry. Pedro Acosta um, might actually be championship material. So it'd be taking a gamble. And I think the thing that Jack Miller has proven that he's better at than anything else is building a bike. So he might not finish races in the top three consistently enough, but he could potentially be another KTM test rider that you put him in as a wild card and he gets up in the top three. But if you ask him to do that every every weekend that there's a race, he might crash out more. So I, I looking at what his strengths are, it to me it would make sense for him to be a test rider. It just it see that's Yeah, what, I just when I'm looking at when I'm thinking about the you know, because there's the riders championship, but then there's also the constructor championship. You know, they they that matters more to them than it does to the spectator. And to me, if you're going, I wonder who's going to get us more points. Obviously, you know, Ducati's got 74 bikes on the grid. But um, it would make more sense to go, well, Jack is going to perform better than Pole. 
Oh yeah, I would delegate him. You know what I mean? It. So I would I would push Pole out before I would push Jack out. I think what I would do is I would actually push Jack to gas gas and take Pole and make him test rider. So you don't lose either, but you open up that spot for Pedro Costa. That is interesting. Because then Jack Miller would still be on okay, quote unquote factory KTM. <laughs> You know, and uh, I think he'd still get to ride, and he'd still get to help build a KTM. He provides useful feedback towards improving that motorcycle. It's just the sad thing is half that feedback is him putting it in the gravel. You know, yeah. but if he's not on a factory bike and someone like um, Pedro Acosta, who might actually finish the race potentially, I mean, we don't know. He could get. Yeah, it's just hard. Like, when's the last time we saw a rookie come in and go straight to a factory? I have about as much confidence in him as I do Raul Fernandez right now. Because Raul Fernandez was, you know, competing with Remy Gardner, and he was looking solid. I even, I'm eating my own words because last year, before the season started, I was like, Raul Fernandez is going to be so good. I'm going to, you got to keep an eye out for him. And I was... Now he's just kind of mediocre. I don't even know if he's mediocre. I mean, he get, he could get better. He's got another year. We'll see. Okay. But the thing is, I do think that Pedro Acosta is going to be really good. I mean, everything points to him being great. I feel like, though, the problem that we have now is we try too hard to look at people and think, oh, Mark Marquez. Yeah, I'm not saying that, but I think that he's going to be really good. Yeah, and you know what I mean. It's so hard to know how someone's gonna do from Moto Two to. I mean, we we always want to try and pick out the next great, but when you're talking about somebody like Mark Marquez, even Rossi or Jorge Lorenzo, these are like the greatest riders of all time. Right. You're not just gonna say, "Oh, this guy's gonna be the next one of those." Like, nobody's even questioning that about Pecco right now. He's only won one championship in MotoGP. You know what I'm saying? So he's on his way to win his second. That's true. Well. Chill out there. All right, so, um, again, Danny Pedrosa was amazing, and I actually thought that he was going to pass Pecco on that last couple of laps, so he just couldn't make it happen. I guess that was more of his confidence there. Yeah, yeah. And Maverick just fell a little short. He should have been better this weekend than he was. That sounds like like a, a disappointed parent. Yeah. Uh, I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. It's it's Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's almost like when the record... He he got that record, and it's almost like when Bedzeki beat that record, and then again Jorge just absolutely just blew that thing out of the water. It's almost like that messed Maverick up a little bit. Like, oh, I guess I'm not as good as I thought it was. You know what I mean? And I I think that that seemed to affect him a little bit. So that was your main race. Here are our championship standings as of today. So. Pecco is still in the lead with 283 points. That is only 36 points ahead. That means if he crashed out of and was out of one race, if there's another perfect weekend, we are in. We will have a new first place person. Yeah, because Jorge Martin is only 36 points behind Pecco in second place. That's That's a lot to ask for. It's really not that much to ask for, though. If you consider the fact that just two races ago, he was like 60 what 63 64 points behind yeah i just i don't think that we'll see a championship change i mean like pecco would have to crash and not race both and he would have to have another perfect weekend back to back and we've seen pecco i mean yeah, i mean there's like what eight more races though yeah so we i'm saying we won't see it change this next weekend it would have to, it would take yeah true it, true it'll it, but it'll i i think it's possible though I, and that's the thing that's what i was about to say we we have got to stop this like thing where people are saying and we don't do this, but people keep saying Pecco's a shoe in. Pecco's obviously going to win the championship this year. He's only thirty six points ahead. You know how many points Fabio was ahead last year, <laughs> and he's still stinking lost. You know what I mean? So when I think about the fact that Jorge Martin is only thirty six points behind, we have to start considering that Jorge Martin is on the hunt. He's riding better than he's ever ridden, and he is absolutely a contender for this year's it would be title. Great. It would be so satisfying to see Ducati oh, lose man. the championship to their satellite team. The guy that they booted for Anea Bastianini last oh, year. Gosh. Oh man. Talk about drama. I want that to happen so bad. <laughs> like, you think but, Ducati will let it happen, or do you think they'll like team orders? Slice absolutely. The tires? Yeah, but 
Jorge has already pretty much said, Someone. like, I don't give a rip what anybody says. I want a factory seat. That's what I deserve, and that's where, where I'm heading. I think it was Marco Bezzecchi, one of the Ducati riders, was actually complaining about, he actually came out and complained about team orders. <laughs> and uh, the funny thing is, when he said team orders, I think it's different than what you and I are saying as team orders, like, back off, don't pass. Um, the thing that he was told was to, you know, pass with extreme caution. Right. All these things, which I feel like to a certain degree is like, it's like giving team orders without giving team orders. Yeah. So at this point, we're really only got two people like super in the hunt here, which is Pecco and Jorge, because third place is Marco Bedzecki. He's 65 points behind. I mean, you mean Marco? You said Pecco. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Marco Bedzecki. It is... It's not impossible, but he's 64 points behind, which is a lot. And then you got Brad Bender, who is, you know, even further behind with 173 points. And then fifth place is Aleish, 160 points. Sixth place, Joanne Sarko. You're going to see Joanne continue to drop in that, I'm pretty certain. Luca Marini, seventh place. Eighth place is Maverick Vinales. And then ninth place is Alex Marquez. Then tenth place is Jack Miller. And if Jack Miller continues what he's doing, he's probably going to drop out of the top 10. And Fabio Quadraro is actually in 11th. So he could maybe, squ- we could maybe see a Japanese bike in the top 10. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. So, hey, and you know, this could all change with just one more Ducati pileup. Yeah. Well, and at this point, it Brad Bender could still sneak in there and get a third place and get on the podium of the world championship, but it's it's starting to get pretty hard. He's going to have to perform better, and Bedzecki's going to have to perform worse, you know? So we'll see what happens there. But let's talk about fantasy results real quick. So, Ugh. yeah, it was a great weekend for me. So I moved up to 21st place. I had 196.75 points this weekend. That totals me out at 1,685.5 points but I did use my final boost. So I'm all out of boost for the rest of the season, which just stinks because I feel like I wish, I just wish I had one more, you know? Uh, And then Ty, you are in 51st place. I scored 164.5 and I, that totals me out at 1439. Now, did you actually move up? I did. I went from 56, I think to 51st. Hey, so that's pretty good. Um, Yeah. I think so. I made I made a pretty good decision. I took a gamble. I put Danny Bedros on my team, which I honestly, you know, as frustrating as it is that Raul Fernandez finally has a good week, that still was not as good as Danny. Oh, not even so remotely at the, close. At the end of the day, I mean, Danny got me more points. I think yeah. that was a good move. Um, the only thing that really hurt me was the fact that everything has gone up in price, and I am still lagging behind in team value. Mm-hmm. I think there's some people who've broken the 20 million team value mark. There's multiple. Um, I think there's somebody. Let me check real quick. Now, we have the the highest right now is 22.5 million, and there's like three of those. Yeah, so I'm still at like 17.8. So I've, my team value's gone up. I think there was, it's not that long ago that I was talking about having like a below starting value. I think yeah. it was at like 14 something million. Uh, that was a rough spot to be. Um, but, you know, Maverick has gone up now. Um, Danny Pedrosa, unfortunately, has not, which is super frustrating. Um, but, but you still have all three of your boosts. I do. Um, but I am stuck with Honda as my team. <laughs> That's the thing that probably hurt me the most. Like, I think if I had any other team, I think I would have scored a little bit closer. Sure. Well, and if uh, they had given Danny Pedrosa more value, you might have been able to get a different team. You're right. <laughs> I know, right? It's the worst, right? Uh, not so, that I'm salty or anything. <laughs> yeah, so, but finally I get to say this. I was right. Mia Culpa has been dethroned by Turbo Perix 2 Rotus, who got 174 points this week, totaling them at 1,874.5 points, and they only have one boost remaining. So why do I say that? Why is that important? Because I'm going to make a prediction right now. Ty, are you ready? I think that the person that is in fourth place, which I'm going to censor their name and call them Fast Booties because I can't say what they actually named their team. Oh, my God. But Fast Booties, I am calling to be our winner. We can't we can't let them win. But Well, they're at least they're in the U.S., which means they could actually go to 
Morton's BMW, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, um, but I think that they're going to win. Why? Because, glad you asked, because they have the highest value. They have 22.5 million is their team value. They have literally like a perfect team. And they have used no boosts the entire season so far. And they are in fourth place. Me and them are in the same position, basically. We both have a little Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. With that being said, no one around them is even close except for seventh place. They have the same team value, but they only have two boosts left. So even if they boosted all the same stuff, you know, Fast Booty's still got one extra boost and they're going to win. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, they can just hold off in third and, like, second or third place. They can hold off until Valencia boosts somebody. As long as they don't crash, they're going to get more points than everybody else. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I'm calling them to win. We'll see what happens. I've been wrong before. But that's my prediction. Now. You also uh, made another observation. Yes. Jazz Dad has broken the top ten. Who is Jazz Dad? It's Ty's dad. <laughs> so he has broken into the top 10, but I do think, yes, he has used all of his boosts, but his team value is $20.2 million. He's got it going on. That's crazy. He's got it going on. So Way to go, Pops. Yeah, way to go. I hope he holds on to it, and that would be, if he wins, that would be the craziest thing ever. I don't think he can. I'm sorry. Brian, I apologize for, for saying you can't, but it would be astonishing if he won. So that would just be cool because he knows a lot about MotoGP and he's really good at this. So clearly better than me and you. We need to have him on the podcast. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the test. So we had the Mizano test happen on Monday. Here's what I want everybody to remember about the test, especially this one. This test doesn't show us a ton. Because this is their first iteration of the bike that they're bringing in next year. Well, I think the thing with Mizano, too, is it's not necessarily the time that you're looking at. You're looking more at the response from the rider. Correct. Although that hasn't even always been predictable. Well, last year, Peck, uh, Fabio said that he was super excited about this year's motorcycle, and that turned out to be hot garbage. Well, and the reason that is is because this is literally the first time they are presenting their their fault their next year's bike it's the first time so they don't have a clue what this thing is going to do really and they're going to put it in front of their their riders and they're going to let them ride it and they're going to tear it apart so this is the first iteration you're going to get a much better understanding at valencia but then obviously as we get closer to the next season that's when you really know what's going on so you have I'm just going to give you the top 10 in times. Um, again, these times aren't super indicative. Luca Marini uh, had a was in first place with a 136.02, which is three-tenths slower than Jorge Martin was with the fastest lap. So that means that or, uh, Luca Marini is the, fa the second fastest guy around Mizano. Second place was Maverick Vinales with a 138.36, which is really close to his record breaker. And then third place, you had Brad Bender. Fourth place, Jorge Martin. Fifth place, Jack Miller. Sixth place, Fabio Quattararo with a 131.17. That's nothing to write home about. Um, and then, I mean, it's not terrible. It's better than what he was putting down. It, it's pretty close, actually. It's not that much different. Seventh place, Miguel Oliveira. Eighth place, Franco Morbidelli. Ninth place, Alex Marquez. Tenth place, Raul Fernandez. Now, there were several people not actually riding. Um, obviously, like, Pecco wasn't riding. I don't think Bedzecki rode. A lot of people weren't riding, especially from Ducati, uh, because they didn't really have a need to. So, here's the thing about Fabio. Fabio was not happy at all with what Yamaha brought. Now, Yamaha was really pumped about what they brought. And to be fair... They brought an entirely new motorcycle. It had a new engine. It had a new aero. It had a new chassis. It had a new exhaust system. It was everything. I do think that it was a step forward for the M1, even though Fabio was not happy with what it was. He wanted it to be better. But I think that you got to take into consideration the fact that they gave him a brand new motorcycle from top to bottom. 
and that's going to take a little bit more time to develop. So I'm really hoping that come Valencia test that they show us something better and that Fabio's happier with it because Yamaha is putting their money where their mouth is and really investing in the project. So I, I did think, because they had a couple of different aero packages I think they were trying mm-hmm. out. And it's funny because the two ones that stuck out the most to me, one looks almost identical to the Aprilia. Yeah. Not exactly, but suspiciously close. It's because those bikes do similar things. The Aprilia has been called a, you know, an inline four without an inline four. Like it handles the way that the Yamaha handles, but it's got a V4. Right. <laughs> well, the other one that they have also kind of looks like the Ducati. So it's just interesting to see how they're obviously taking notes of what the other manufacturers are doing and trying to figure out which one works best for them. Yeah, which you got to give them credit for that, you know? Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen. We will see. But again, Fabio wasn't super pumped about it at all, which is really a bummer because I really want him to be happy there. And I want Yamaha to be better. But at this rate, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to catch up. Now, let's, uh, we're going to skip this and we're going to come back to it. Let's talk about KTM. Bender and Jack, they got to use the new carbon fiber chassis that Pedrosa was using in the race. Which, okay. A carbon, the first time someone said that to me, I was like, okay, carbon fiber chassis. I'm thinking, like, there's going to be bits and bobs that are. No, it's the whole thing. And they have done that before. Yeah. And KTM actually, uh, a few years ago, was like, we will never do that. It will always be a metal chassis. You know what I mean? And then they are the ones that come out with this carbon fiber chassis, and it was awesome. I wonder how much weight reduction there was. Because, I mean, in order to make it strong enough, you've got to have some pretty thick carbon fiber there. Yeah. But I mean, I mean it. It made them all faster. All yeah. of them had like Jack had tremendously better lap times. I want to see Mark on a freaking KTM. <laughs> um, so you know whatever KTM's doing, they just start doubling down and and driving in. Aprilia didn't really do anything new. Uh, they can't afford it. No, yeah, I think that that's actually what it is. I think they're just kind of out of money. Uh, but they did let Oliveira ride the current bike which he'll have next year and he did great on it so you, i think you're gonna see uh i like how you phrased that they let him ride it like they're really watching him oh okay you know we, we can yeah we can afford that well he's the satellite guy so you know he gets to ride the bike that he's gonna be riding next year just like the the main guys get to ride the bike they're gonna ride next year you know right. what i'm saying so yeah. uh i thought that was pretty cool then to let him do that uh ducati again we don't really know what Ducati was doing. They didn't have anything noticeably different, but Jorge put a lot of laps down testing, and I think that that's because he wants to get better. And so I think he was like, sure, I'll do it. And they were testing things that they would not reveal what they were testing, small parts here and there, things like that. But they would never say what it was. Personally, I think that is Ducati being Ducati, trying to get in everybody's head, make everybody spend money that they don't need to spend, personally. Because I think Ducati just rode their bike because it's a great bike. You know what I mean? That's true. So, last but not least, Mark Marquez and Honda. So, here is what Honda did. They had new aero. They had a new exhaust. They had all kinds of new things. Pretty much the whole bike, except for the engine. They put the same engine in the bike. Now... The problem with that is that the problems that Mark and Juan Mir both said that the bike has are the same problems that it currently has, primarily rear grip. And that is not fixed by a new chassis. That's not fixed by aero necessarily. It's mostly going to be fixed by a new engine. So it's astonishing that Yamaha came in with everything new. They threw everything at it. They brought a brand new bike. And Honda's like, we're going to do everything except for the thing that we need to do because we're Honda and we think we're going to do what we want. Because that's the way Honda's always been. They never will do 
the thing that everyone says they should do. <laughs> they always miss that part. And this has been Which is the funny because I feel like that was more of the complaint that people had of Ducati. Because I mean, Jorge wins it with the gas tank, you know. Same. They're like, he goes, guys, I can't grip this gas tank. And they're like, no, it's yeah. a Ducati. You know, you you get what you get. And then the second they can, and they're like, all right, you know, fine. You know, here's the gas tank. And he wins. And he wins. Yeah. The very next race. Well, and the problem here with Honda is that this is the problem that everybody's been saying. And they threw a bunch of things, and I give them credit for doing a lot, but they didn't do the one thing that would help the biggest problem that's been said. That makes no sense to me. I assume that maybe they just didn't have the engine ready and that it will be ready by Valencia. But the problem is, I don't know if they're going to have Mark by Valencia because he was ticked. He was not happy. This is the first time he has publicly revealed that he has not just one, but three different options that he's looking at that are not Honda. I wonder how many of those are retirement. (laughs) Well, yes. Yeah. I got I got three options, and one of them is sipping, you know, drinks on a beach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this is the biggest news. Uh, we already talked about Pecco, so we don't I need actually, to talk about that. I, but there, we this is this is one of the things I wanted to talk about is the rumors that are circulating. Mark Marquez. Well, that's what I'm saying. This is the biggest news potentially ever in MotoGP. So hear me out. All right, I called you about this. Yeah, you did call me. So um, they have all these rumors about him being one signature away from going to Grassini Ducati, and then I called you because the the way it was, I was reading it was like Mark Marquez. It's official. He's one signature away. Yeah, it's definitely not. And then I called Dakota. I was like, Oh my gosh, do you know what's happening? And then you're like, It's just a rumor. And I was like, (laughs) So here's here's the thing. This is potentially the biggest news that's ever happened in MotoGP, and here's why. Aside from Valentino leaving the sport, I think it's bigger than that genuinely here's why because a lot of people are like well what about when valentino moved to yamaha what about when valentino moved to a satellite team i don't care this is the biggest thing ever you're talking about mark marquez who has won so many championships he he is the best like this is probably closer to when valentino went to ducati Closer, yes, but Has you're he, looking at at Mark Marquez potentially moving off of the one place that he's been that he has won all of his stuff at to move to not another factory team, but the lowest tier satellite team of Ducati. That is the potential thing. That's what is so much crazier about this. He is looking at leaving the factory team that he has been with his entire MotoGP career and won all of his victories at to go to the third-tier factor satellite team of Ducati, knowing that he won't get a, an up-to-date bike, knowing that, that because he's over 30 years old, that statistically brings his chances of winning a championship down tremendously low, but then also just being on a satellite team brings your t- statistics down. Not only that, it's not going to be the up-to-date equipment if he's at Grassini. He's one of the greatest riders of all time, and he's saying, I, want, I might go there. <laughs> that is crazy. That is nuts. That's not like Valentino going, I'm going to go over here to a factory bike. That's not the same. Right. It's just not. And let's be honest, when Valentino went to Patronus, it's because he wasn't good anymore. That's, that is fair. You know what I mean? It's not, it just is what it is. And, and I'm not throwing shade on Valentino, but this is a bigger story than that. Well, I still think, and this is, I mean, I'm a big Mark Marquez fan. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody that listens to this is going to think that I'm not. Uh, but I, I do think there is currently for most of these teams and constructors, there is still a question mark over Mark Marquez. Will he ever ride like he did before that injury? Right, and this is... Oh, I don't know that we'll ever know that at Honda. Yeah, that's the thing, but if he goes to anywhere else and then doesn't do well, even if it's not his fault. Like, if he goes to Grassini and they give him hot garbage on purpose because they just want him out of the sport... Yeah. Because Ducati is spiteful, and he's putting his his career in the hands of people that don't like him. Right. Uh, and I feel like if that's the case, I 
I could totally see him going into a few races and his inj- his bike just not finishing the race. Well, so yeah. So here's what I think. I think that if Mark moves to Grassini, it's because he is preparing for retirement. I think he's moving to Grassini because he knows that he can win some races. There's no question about that. He's going to win some races if he moves to Grassini. Is he going to be able to win a championship? Probably not. Could he? Maybe. And that would be the craziest thing like ever, right? It would be amazing. But I don't think that he will actually be able to win a championship there. But he could win a lot of races, and he could get on the podium quite a bit. So I think that that move would be Mark going, I'm going over here so that I don't have to end my career on a trash heap of a Honda just trying not to die. In a stretcher. Yeah, that, you know what I mean? And then, so that's what I think the Grassini move would be. Now, if he is moving, it does not in any world make any sense to me that they would give Franco Morbidelli an up-to-date Ducati on Pramac. It makes absolutely no sense to me. If Franco Morbidelli goes to Pramac, Pramac's given that bike to Bedzecki. They're going to give up one of those factory up-to-date bikes, and it's going to VR46, and Bedzecki's going to be riding it. I just do not see Ducati being like, okay, Franco, you've been terrible for the last few years. Here's a brand-new bike. If they do that, <laughs> it's purely because he's Italian. I, yeah, I just they're going to give it to Bedzecki. If Franco goes to Pramac, they're giving that bike to Bed- I'm saying it now. Write it down. <laughs> it makes so much more sense to me that Mark Marquez would go to Pramac. It makes so much more sense to me. Now, I was actually thinking about this. And then Franco just goes to Grassini, gets on an older bike, or and does retires. his thing. <laughs> or that. <laughs> but my thing is, is if Mark goes to the Pramac and gets an up-to-date bike, then you're talking about he is going to compete you got also think about, If you're Franco Morbidelli, you're looking at this like, you know, Mark Marquez is looking at leaving his team. Mm-hmm. The former, I mean, like one of the greatest writers of all time, and then you're Franco. Yep. You are option three. Well, here's the poor, poor Franco. No one cares where he goes at this <laughs> point. Like, like everybody is just looking at Mark Marquez, and nobody's talking about the fact that if Mark Marquez leaves, Honda has a factory seat open. <laughs> what? Watch Franco go to. F- that would actually be kind of funny if Franco ended up going to factory Honda. If Mark leaves, I think they move Zarco into the into the the seat. That would be cool. I think that they just go. Why would we keep Zarco on the LCR team when the Repsol seat is open? They move him up and then they grab a rookie for the LCR team. Yeah, I think that's what happens. Now, what would be funny is if if Mark goes to Pramic, right now. Now there's an interesting dilemma and a competition. That is like an old kindled flame. And that's the fact that Valentino is at Mooney. And I was actually thinking if Mark somehow manages to get himself a contract with Pramic Ducati. I feel like that would give Valentino enough fuel to potentially start considering another satellite team with Yamaha. Well, there was also the rumor that he was going to try to purchase Grassini and make that his team. (laughs) there's so many weird things floating out there right now. I don't know what to believe. (laughs) But I do think that Mark Marquez, he said in his uh, press release that he would not wait until Valencia, that he would make his decision um, in a few weeks. But I could see him waiting. I could see Honda convincing him to wait until he at least sees their next iteration of the bike in Valencia. I hope that doesn't happen because I don't want to be questioning and wondering this for the next however long. Dorna probably wants him to wait because this is like the best press they've had in years. Everybody that's listening to this show is like, oh my gosh, we just want to know. Because that's literally what we talk about every episode. Absolutely. So Where's Mark going to go? It's going to be crazy. We're going to see this is some unexpected, big, potentially the biggest silly season news ever that we're trying to figure out. You've heard our opinions. You've heard what we think. We'd love to know what you think. We'll be back in a, in, you know, with our, all of our fantasy picks and all that, you know, before the next race. But 
We'd love to know your thoughts on the silly season. We'd love to know your thoughts on Mark. We'd love to know if you think that Peko is good or his bike is good or if it's just that's a perfect combination. It's just so stable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you can let us know all of your thoughts, opinions on social media, on Instagram, at wheel to wheel podcast. We appreciate your support there. Follow us. Give us some likes on our stuff, all that jazz. Share things. But also, if you want to support us further than just listening to the podcast, um, you can write a review or rate the podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you want to go the absolute extra mile, you can do listener support, which is financially supporting the podcast. You don't have to, but we would greatly appreciate that. You can go to at wheel to wheel podcast on Instagram, hit the link in the bio, and it'll take you everywhere you need to go and tell you everything you need to know. So we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening. See you guys.